0: You're listening to the Grace Family Church Podcast. Notes for today's sermon are available by downloading the GFC Florida app. All right. How's it going, Grace Family? All of our campuses, starting all the way up north in Nana Lakes and right here in Luce. Then we go to Temple Terrace and Ebor and Carrollwood and South Tampa and all the way to Clearwater. Man, come on, good, give them a shout, all those campuses and those watching online. You can tell I'm already fired up. Um, I'm not only fired up about this message, I'm fired up the Gators one. So I feel good about that, ready to go here. But you know, we're in week five of truth over trend. You know what's trending right now? I'll tell you what's trending, an attack on the Bible. There's an attack on the Bible. And you know what's amazing about the criticism and the skepticism? They say that only 60% of so-called believers believe the whole Bible's true. Something's going on here. I thought I was preaching to the choir, but maybe I'm not, because I want to remind us, and I'm going to kind of share some evidence why we can believe that the Bible is reliable and that we can trust the Bible. I, I think we can give you some, some, hopefully, some evidence to encourage you on that, because, you know, uh, some people think it's just a helpful collection of nice thoughts. Right and good advice. That's hey, it's got some good thoughts, nice advice. You know, it's made up of stories that that men wrote. You know, uh, the men wrote the Bible. It's just it's all it's all made up. This is things that we hear. Or how about this one? Well, yeah, I kind of believe the Bible, but it's an ancient book and it's lost a lot of its original meaning. So maybe we can't trust it any longer because you know they had to make copy after copy, and maybe when they're writing those copies, they they were interrupted by something. You know, all those kind of. Questions uh, that people have about it, but that's what's trending. There's a skepticism. There's an attack on the Bible. Here's what I know. Believing or denying the Bible has eternal implications for your life. So I, I would, I would say probably a good idea to pay attention to this because maybe you've struggled believing the Bible is being God's inspired word. Or maybe you don't struggle, but you need to be encouraged because of the, because of the culture that we live in, because uh, there are no eternal implications in your life. If you, well, I'm not, you know, the, the, like some of these ancient uh, writings like Socrates and Aristotle and, and, and some of these guys, I'm, there's no eternal impact if you choose not to believe their philosophy, right? I mean, well, I don't know if I believe that guy or not. There is an eternal impact when you decide what you believe or don't believe about the Bible. Because the Bible claims to be the most unique book of antiquity. It claims to be God's inspired word. It claims to be God's holy word to us, to mankind. That's what it claims. In fact, in 2 Timothy, it makes that claim, if you wanna follow along. In 2 Timothy three, it says this, all scripture, come on, everyone say all. All. Doesn't say part of the scripture. See, that's where the trending's happening right now for a lot of even believers. Well, I believe this part, but this part makes me uncomfortable. Right? And so we have a we rationalize certain parts of the Bible. Maybe that's the part that lost its original meaning. He couldn't really mean that. It says all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true. And to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. You know what that tells me? I don't have to be confused. I can have absolute clarity of what God's will is for my life. Because it teaches us that. It corrects us when we are wrong. And teaches us to do what is right. Maybe that's why some people don't like the Bible. They don't like it to tell them maybe what's wrong. Right? Here it is. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. That's the claim that the Bible makes. It claims to be the inspired, holy Word of God. Now, and I'll tell you, one of the most logical things i thought of, and, and I've said this before, but think about the Bible and, and the diversity of it. It's, it's, it's got amazing diversity, yet it achieves a miraculous continuity and theme. What do you mean by that, Craig? Well, it was written over a 1,500-year period. Think about that. And yet there's a, there's a, there's a harmony There's a continued theme throughout. There's no contradictions, even though there are 40 different authors, all from various backgrounds, from certain eras and cultures. Some were, I mean, a thousand years later than the first guy, but yet they all seem to have one continual theme. What a miracle that is. And it was written on three different continents. It's not like they could have got together on social media and said, okay, you said that. I'm going to say this. So they'll really think it's inspired. No, something was inspiring all these people. Think about it. They were philosophers, different vocations, shepherds, peasants, kings, military leaders, musicians, fishermen, tax collectors. The Bible addresses hundreds of subjects, Some very controversial that create opposing opinions when discussed. Yet from Genesis to Revelation, there is an amazing degree of harmony in spite of the length of time and the diversity of the writer's vocation. It's one unfolding story continues throughout, which is God's redemption of mankind with one leading character, a living God known through Jesus Christ. Think about that, 40 different authors, 1,500-year time span from different vocations, different cultures, all saying the same thing. Folks, that's a miracle. That, to me, is the first evidence that it was inspired by God because the Bible tells us in 1 Peter that men wrote under the unction of the Holy Spirit. That's what the the Bible claims. But let's give you some facts. I know that's maybe not enough for some. Uh, How about that first question I had, Well, you know, the Bible, maybe maybe it's lost its original meaning. Because you understand that all ancient books of antiquity, the Gaelic Wars and Caesar and Aristotle, none of them had uh, the materials they used deteriorated. So when it began to deteriorate, they had to make copies after copy after copy. So sometimes people think maybe it wasn't copied properly. Maybe they left off a few paragraphs or or maybe someone decided, I'm going to put my own opinion in here. Well, the Dead Sea Scrolls is one of the greatest discoveries that prove how detailed and accurately the Bible was copied. If you had not heard, the Dead Sea Scrolls uh, were discovered in 1947 in the Middle East. There was a little shepherd boy throwing rocks into a cave and he heard some, something crack and he went inside and there was these giant clay pots sealed with these scrolls. 1947, they were discovered. The significance of these scrolls were this they were dated 150 BC. So, what does that mean? That means the earliest known scrolls at the time were a thousand years older than these that they had found. Follow with me. Just hang in there. Previously known copies were a thousand years older. There are 850 scrolls, there are 184,540 words. Even though there was a thousand year gap between known copies, the accuracy rate was 99.5%. Folks, that's amazing. There are 400 words, and most of the words were about misspellings. None of it deterred the meaning of the passage or the scripture. Folks, that's a miracle. A thousand year difference? You can write, my, my wife can write a note to me about groceries and I forget the list when I go. I'm, I, I screw it up when I get to the store. You know, I, or I rewrite it and I write it wrong. Think about that. The reliability, the original meaning has never been lost. There's no other book of antiquity that compares with that accuracy. And you'll see that in a minute. How about the New Testament reliability? they are gonna put on the screen, you can see a few of them, some of these books of antiquity. Iliad and, and Plato and his writings and the Gaelic Wars and Caesar and Aristotle. But think about Homer, which has the most out of any of them with the smallest time gap. They have a total of 640, you're gonna put, is it up there? You got, there it is, 645 copies. Now that's the best known one. Look at, look at the look at the New Testament. It was written between 50 and 100 AD. Uh, it, it, the earliest known copies We're 114 to to 250. Think about it, 50 to 100 year gap from one original to the first copies compared to these other books of antiquity. The Bible blows it away. Look how many known copies. 24,632 compared to 645. Why don't we question the writings of Caesar and the Gaelic Wars or or Homer and Iliad? You know why? It has no eternal impact in our lives. What bothers people Because if the Bible is reliable and if it is true and it is God's inspired word, there's a problem. Anyone know what the problem is? We're accountable to what God said. That's why there's so much criticism on the Bible and these other books of antiquity almost get a free pass. And yet the Bible is proved time and time again, even through those scrutiny of what they called historicity test. It comes out way better, and blows away the other ones. How about the Bible? You heard this one. The Bible's full of contradictions. And we're, well, the Bible's got a lot of contradictions. I always tell people, show me one. It's funny. A lot of people only take the headlines. but And and we know this. The Bible, uh, Christianity is a historical faith. It's not just a book of inspiration. It's based on actual events recorded in the Bible. There are over 24,000 archaeological discoveries, that have confirmed the historical accuracy of the Bible. Nelson Gluck, a well-known archaeologist, says this, as a matter of fact, it may be clearly stated categorically that no archaeological discovery has ever controverted a single biblical reference. Now, let's put that in perspective. What, is it, what, is, what does that mean? Like, there's a lot of recorded events in Bible history that have been confirmed by these digs. For instance the Hittite nation. Before uh, 1906, skeptics used to mock Christians about believing the Bible because they would say, hey, Christian, where are the Hittites? Because there is no discovery of a Hittite nation and the Bible refers to the Hittites twice in the Bible. And so they used to scoff at and laugh at believers. They said, how can you believe the Bible? It talks about a nation that's never existed. Ah, just give it time, right? 1906, they discovered the Hittite nation in a dig. In 1906. The Bible has always been confirmed by these digs. Never has there been a contradiction of what the Bible said historically and what a, what a dig, when it was discovered. And we all know Sodom and Gomorrah. We've heard the story when Sodom and Gomorrah, Gomorrah, where God came down with fire and it was destroyed. And uh, in 1965, there was an excavation of a huge grave site and it was discovered to be the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Both cities were covered with six feet of ash. It's interesting, isn't it? Again, you can go over and over again. There's, There's evidence, if you have an honest and open heart, there's evidence to prove the Bible historically is accurate, that there's enough reliability with scriptures that has been copied uh, perfectly. In fact, Psalms in NIV says it says this: "God's way is perfect; all in the Lord's word is flawless." I think they got the NLT version up there. But the Lord's word—it's flawless. What we hold in our hands is a reliable, accurate copy of God's holy word. That's what I declare in belief. That's what we hold in our hand. And I think the question for all of us would be this. If you have an open heart and an open mind, it should lead us to take steps towards what God wants in our lives. But here's here's where I think there's a struggle going on because the Bible has a lot to say about the last days and the end times. And in 2 Timothy 4, Verses 2 through 4. I want you to read with me very slowly. I want you to take your time, all of us, every campus. I want us to really focus because what I'm going to say in the next 10 or 12 minutes can have an eternal impact on your life. Here's what the Bible tells us. Preach the Word of God. And that's what we're going to do here at Grace Family Church. We're not going to preach trends. We're going to preach what God's Word says, no matter how unpopular it may be. Okay? It says, preach the word of God, be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. How many other times there are not times where the word of God is favorable? We are in one of those times because there are certain things that Jesus said and God said does, does not really go well with the trend or the cultures we live in today. Does that make it any less true? No, it may make it unpopular, but not true. Patiently correct, and that's what I need to do. I need to be patient. Sometimes I get frustrated. I get frustrated with, with, with church people sometimes that, that, that we, we're, we hear it, but do we really fully trust and believe in God's word? Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. And that's what we're gonna do here at Grace Family Church. But here's what it says, for a time is coming Can we say that together? For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. I believe we are in that time. It's easy to believe we're in that time. There's evidence all around us because now trend in culture dictates truth instead of the Bible. See, here's how we as believers should be living our life. God's word is our authority, and we are under the authority of God's word. Even when we don't understand it, even when it seems unpopular, we are under the authority of God's word, and that's how we should live our lives. But a lot of people don't do it that way. They, they maybe say, yeah, that's the Bible, but they take themselves as, a, as an expert over the word of God. And they begin to maybe question, and, 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 and it's okay to question with an open and pure heart. I, God can answer our questions, but we need to be under the authority of God's word, not under the authority of what culture or trends will tell us. But we're in a, 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 a tough moment as believers, as a church, because that time that is coming is now. And it says that when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching, now I think about that, will no longer listen. You know what I know? That means that people used to listen to sound and wholesome teaching, but they no longer listen. I hope that we don't become those who no longer listen. I hope that we hold on to the anchor of God's truth like the song we sang, in Christ alone, our cornerstone, our foundation, But it goes on and tells you why people leave the truth. It says, they will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. Why won't they listen any longer? Because it challenges their lifestyle. It challenges what they choose to believe. And they get sucked in by what trends tell them and what seems popular in the moment. They reject the truth and chase after myths. You know what's trending right now? And I said it a few weeks ago. Well, my truth. Let me listen. We can't mix my truth with God's truth. Like Pastor Darrell said a few weeks ago go get the message. Some things just don't mix. You can't mix your truth with God's truth. We have to be under the authority of God's truth. Period in our lives, and we can have to wrestle with our feelings and maybe things that we feel challenged by. You're not, here's what I know. We we cannot pick and choose what you like about the Bible. Oh, well, I like this part. I love this part. I love the part God loves, and I love this part. God wants to bless me. Oh, yes, Jesus. Thank you. Bless me, Lord. We we can't just choose those parts, but the other parts. We don't like. There's some parts that I struggle with because it just it's for me. It just there there can be some challenges there, but it's the Bible is not a multiple choice. It's God's holy word. We're under the authority of all of it. See the Bible. It's a blueprint on how we should live our lives and how we should believe. And, and here's a question I want to just kind of, kind of, I want to ask us a couple questions. If this is God's holy inspired word, if it is the truth, then everything in it that he says is true. Everything he says about Jesus Christ is true. Everything that Jesus says is absolutely true. Everything Jesus says about his love for you and I is absolutely true. No matter what your feelings tell you, no matter what has happened in your life, whatever bad decisions you have made, And maybe you've been a person that a lot of people don't love. You need to know there is a God that loves you with a love that we can't even comprehend. It's deep and it's wide and it's patient and and God's love is there for us. It's true then what God says about his love for us. And everything he said about the cross that Jesus was crucified on is true. Because it tells us on that cross, my sin and your sin and my shame and and all the the mistakes and all the bad choices I made were put on the cross. It's absolutely true. So that I could be free of shame and guilt. So I can be forgiven. It's, it's, It's true. Everything he says about forgiveness is absolutely true. Think about that. Everything that Jesus said about the pathway to heaven is true. There, there isn't a, well, this is my version, or I've heard this," either, we're all in on God's truth, or we're going to live a life of confusion, and we're going to be up and down. You want to see one of the most controversial statements that trends and culture have a problem with today, and we hear it all the time, John, 14:6 you are going to put it on the screen. "This is Jesus Christ who claims to be the son of God, who was resurrected from the dead, which proved he was God, that how Mary did such a good job last week talking about the resurrection. But in John 14, 6, they're gonna put it up there. There it is. Jesus answered, here it is. This is Jesus, God's son. And if the Bible is inspired, if it's all true, then this statement must be true. Now, this is a struggle for some people, but here's what it says. Jesus says, I am the way. It doesn't sound like he said, I'm one of the ways. Does it say one of the ways or the way? He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. Where's the Father at right now? Anybody know? Where's the Father God at? In heaven, right? That's what the Bible tells us. Everything in the Bible is true. The Father's in heaven. Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except through me, Jesus. He claims to be the bridge, the only way to heaven. How does that land in a world that we live in today? Because you will hear versions of everyone else's truth, and I under this is not putting them down. It's just that we rationalize and believe there are all these other ways. And well, no, but what about? There's got to be. There's this way, and, and that way. And Jesus said, No, there's one way, one truth, one life, there's one Lord, one faith, one God. That's what he says. And that ruffles feathers because some people believe there's more than one way. Again, people can believe what they want. That's their version of truth. Either we're all in on what Jesus said or we're not. Folks, that's not that we, uh, I humbly and, and, and I, I am so humbled by what God's offering you and I. But he says, I am the way the truth, in the life. Everything he says about the pathway to heaven then comes through Jesus. Think about this. Everything he says about judgment and death. You know, God has something to say about when we die. You know what happens when we die? God tells us what happens when we die. Some people believe that when you die, you just go into the dust and no more. That's it. Life's over or I turn into something else. I come back as a, a you know a, another something. I, you know, there's all kinds of ideas about after death. Hebrews tells us this in Hebrews nine twenty seven says this. And just as each person is destined to die once and after that judgment. That's what the Bible says. We all going to die. I don't know when we're going to die, but the Bible says we all die. Now, there's good news in that. How many of you know I have some good news for you? There's a lot of good news in the Bible. The gospel means good news. And when it says judgment, here's what you need to know. If you believe That Jesus is the truth, the way, and the life. If you believe that when he died on the cross, that your sins were judged on that cross so you would not be judged, that's good news for you. Because the judgment of God passes over me, not because of me, but because I believed in what Jesus did for me. It's Christ alone. He's my foundation. He's my cornerstone. He's my rock. That's why I can hold on and and have faith. But one day we're all going to die. It's something to think about. And then I think of 2 Peter 3, 9. This is God's heart towards all of mankind, all people. In 2 Peter 3, 9, it says, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise. We're talking about when he's coming back. How many know the Lord is coming back one day? The Bible tells us he came first as a savior, the second time he comes as a judge. I know we don't like that, Everyone, the cool word, don't judge me. Let me tell you, one day it's gonna happen. And I don't know about you, I want Jesus as my defensive attorney. Yeah, that's one of mine. Yeah, I know Craig's goofed up. I know he's kind of broken, but he's put his faith and his trust and his hope in me. And by the grace of God, I'm saved, not by things that I do, not by my good works, not because of my own righteousness, but here, let's keep reading. The Lord is being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. Here's why he does not want anyone to be destroyed or to perish, but wants everyone to repent. That's how patient he is. He's patient for hard headed people, he's patient for people who are full of pride that say they don't need God. He's patient and loving, saying, no, I'm not coming back yet. I want to give everybody that one last possible chance. In Christ alone. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for it is by grace we are saved, through faith, not by works. Folks, we don't get saved by trying to be good. I think it's good to be good. We don't get saved by going to church or being religious or doing religious activities. Those can all be good things. We are only saved because of what Christ did. Christ alone is my righteousness, as Pastor Ralph said earlier. John 10, 27 and 28. This is Jesus. This is Jesus speaking. And if the Bible is true, then everything Jesus said is true. Here it is. My sheep, you wanna know if you're God's sheep? You wanna know if you're one of those, you see the picture of Jesus holding a little sheep and I love that picture, that's me, I hope. It says here, my sheep listen to my voice. They listen. I know them and they do what? Come on, everyone say it, they follow me. They follow me, they follow my words, they follow my teachings, they follow my truth. Those are my sheep. So it's easy to find out if you're a sheep or not. Here it is right here. I I believe there's a lot of sheep at Grace Family Church, but I believe there are some that maybe you haven't been sure, you haven't had a firm foundation. Maybe you thought, I can trust in these other things. But the Bible says, in Christ alone, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. Either we believe it or we don't. And, 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 And if it's not true, I guess you have nothing to worry about, right? If it's not true, the Bible isn't true. If Jesus isn't the Son of God, you have nothing to worry about. Go home and and live your life. But if it is true, there's eternal implications for all of us. Can we keep reading? It says, I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life, which, by the way, is this not in eternity. That's quality of life now. How many know that when we get saved, it's good to go to heaven, but God gives me a new life? a new start, a new hope, a new purpose. And it says, and they shall never perish. I love this part. No one will snatch them from my hand. And I love that promise. If everything in the Bible is true, then everything Jesus said is true. And that's true that we can be secure in our hope that no one can snatch us from the hand of God if we put our faith and our trust in him alone. Folks, that's good news. Even when your feelings lie to you, Anyone like me, sometimes, sometimes you don't feel saved because of maybe living or doing something that wasn't pleasing to God. We've all been there, right? See, early in my Christian faith, every time I sinned, I, I, I wanted to repent quickly because I said, what if Jesus came back and, and I hadn't repented yet? You don't want to live your life like that. We're saved by the grace of God. But if you're a sheep, you follow him. To the best of your ability, you're going to follow him, follow his ways, follow his truth. And yeah, sometimes we're going to stumble, right? Sometimes when one of his sheep wanders off, what does God do? Shepherds in the Old Testament, when the sheep kept wandering, because some sheep just like to wander. Anyone like to wander? Some of us do. You know what he do? In mercy, that shepherd would break that leg of the sheep. Break its leg so that it would not stray again. Is it possible that some of the brokenness you're experiencing right now is for God to draw you back in so you don't stray? The song we're going to sing in a moment speaks all of the God's truth I've just shared, but it sounds so much better in a song. There's one verse that says, I dare not trust. The sweetest frame, he's talking about himself. I can't trust in me. It's only in Jesus' name that I'm made right with God. It's a gift that God offers you. I can't understand why a person wouldn't want that gift. I I wouldn't know why, except maybe pride or, you know what? I still want to live my way. I don't want to be under God's authority in in, in life. So I have a question as we sing this song in a moment. I I want you to think about this question. And In in the middle, in this song, and and we're going to sing it in every campus, I want you to think about it. If you're already a believer, praise God. But don't mix God's truth in your truth anymore. Be all in on the truth of God's Word. Don't let culture try to dictate how you should live your life. Live your life wholeheartedly following God's Word even when it's hard to do. How I many you know it's hard to follow God sometimes? When oh, everyone else is going this direction and God's saying, go this way. Here's a question as this song's being sung for some. Are you going to heaven when you die? Be, don't be quick to answer that. Are you going to heaven when you die? Because we all know we're gonna die. And then my next question would be, How are you going to get there? Because I hear a lot of people say, yep, I'm going to heaven. And then I ask them why, you know what they tell me? I'm a pretty good person. I hear that a lot. I'm pretty good. I'm I'm a pretty good moral person. Eh, Wrong answer. In Christ alone. Here's another one. Well, I mean, I'm pretty religious. Eh. How about this one? I go to Grace Family Church. Eh. I work, I do so many good works. I give so much, I serve people in Christ alone. So as this song is being sung on all of our campuses and you can remain seated, I actually would prefer that. Just contemplate the truth of God's word. If you're a believer, am I going to follow it wholeheartedly? I'm not going to compromise any longer. No matter how hard it is, I'm not going to. I'm going to follow as best I know how. And when I fall short, I know what God's got, I have God's grace. But maybe you're not sure about salvation. Maybe if you died today, you you aren't sure about heaven. You can be sure today. And I believe during this song, God can speak to you, make a decision to follow Jesus, to accept Christ alone for your salvation. Thank you for listening to the Grace Family Church Podcast. For more info, check out gfcflorida.com or connect with us by texting the word CONNECT to 81313. We look forward to meeting you at one of our locations soon.